When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Brought to you by our guest today. Brought to you by the fine folks over at HypeBot.com. Bruce is joining us from HypeBot, and as always, just so much love and and thanks for all the support you give to the show every week. Absolutely. Um, Before we get into some chatting with Bruce, Jay, a couple things you wanted to mention. Yeah, one is we're very, very sad to hear the passing of Steve Gordon. Um, He's a music business attorney, author, mentor, friend. Um, He's been on the show Um, He's written some of the best uh, books on the music industry about um, contracts and just about the digital age. And, you know, look on Amazon. He's got some really great books. But um, we were just, you know, heartbroken to hear that he uh, he recently passed away. So our, you know, our our love and prayers go out to his friends and family and uh, he will be sorely missed. Yeah, just heartbreaking news. I mean, he was always more than more than willing to come on the show and share his experience and knowledge. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's not often that you find a lawyer who's willing to talk for free, right? (laughs) Give away free advice. And and Steve was that person. He would do that. He would do that. So, yeah. Yeah, He was a good guy. It's shocking news, and he will be missed. Yeah. Um, So let's lift this up. And, and, and Bruce, what's, you know, we haven't had you on for a couple months here, so let's just throw it out to you. You know, what, what's coming across the, the hype bot desk lately? What, what, what's got you excited, concerned, angry, happy? What's going on out there? (laughs) Uh, I mean, it just comes so fast and furious. I don't know if you saw just like two hours before now, before Spotify opened up their platform, for free uploads for artists. So now you you can bypass TuneCore or DistroKid or CD Baby and upload your music free. It's it's in beta, uh, but they fully say that they're on their way to um, opening up to all artists. So, you know, we've seen this commoditization of of, uh, distribution, if you will, where the price just keeps going down and down and down. But this takes it to a whole new level. It also, you know, really... Um, throws a, a kind of a shot across the bow of SoundCloud. I was just going to say, you know, is, yeah. is, is this potentially the death of SoundCloud? It's hard to know. I mean, SoundCloud has built a really good, um, uh, you know, audience, if you will, or community of creators. And unless Spotify opens up comments, I think, you know, because that's one of the things on SoundCloud as you get feedback from fans and other musicians, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, you, sh- you know, there's a lot that happens on SoundCloud that doesn't happen on Spotify in terms of it, music as a social network or a social network for creators. So I wouldn't say that it's the death knell of SoundCloud, but it's not pretty. Well, I mean, you, you, if you're on the SoundCloud uh, board right now, you're uh, you're having a meeting going. Maybe a little nervous. Uh, what do well, we got to do to really separate ourselves here? Right. You're also probably nervous if you're TuneCore. You know, you all, you 
you say to yourself, I mean, of course, this is only Spotify, and That's if you're right. on Apple Music and Amazon, etc., you've still got to use them. But it makes the services, you know, significantly less valuable since the, you know, some large percentage, 70, 80 percent probably of an American artist's income, uh, streaming income is coming uh, via Spotify. So it's, it's a big move all around. I, I, you know, it's an interesting move in some ways because... On the one hand, it's something they can do that's artist friendly and uh, without completely pissing off the record labels yeah. uh, because, you know, uploading and promotion are two very different things. That's right. Uh, but on this, at the same time, I'm amazed because it's got to be a, a logistical nightmare. You know, I mean, it's, sure. it's as an artist, I'd be afraid, to be honest, to, to do it in the beginning, not because if something went wrong, who do you call? Now, I'm sure Spotify is going to deal with it as well as any tech company can deal with it. They do things well, but it's not the same as being a dedicated distributor who's used to dealing with problems. I, uh, yeah. One of, one of the things that I saw that jumped out at me was one of the headlines said, you know, this is happening. And it ended the headline with, they're going to do this for free. Right. And I thought for a second, yeah, you know, with a CD Baby, DistroKid, TuneCore, you know, there's fees involved. But then I started thinking, you know, back in the day uh, of physical, we paid for pricing and positioning. Uh -huh. Then we went to downloads. And outside of Amazon, it was pretty much an editorial decision. And then we get to streaming and really up till this point, there hasn't been a you know, a barrier to entry. There hasn't been a lot of, you know, pay for play uh, in the mainstream anyway. And I'm wondering if maybe that becomes something you pay for down the road. I mean, logistically, like you mentioned, there's so many issues that could arise. I could put somebody else's music up or maybe, you know, there's a co-write and I'm putting it up and another artist is putting it up and there's disputes and there's, right. you know, it opens this, you know, Pandora's box of, of issues. But it'll be interesting to see where this goes and if they use it as a revenue generator later or maybe it always stays free. But to your point, this is just Spotify. The great thing about those distribution companies is they'll put it on these hundreds of DSPs globally right. and it's it's not that expensive. No, no. I mean, it's... It you, somebody like DistroKid, what is it, $35 a year for unlimited uploads? I mean, you could be a record label or, or a very prolific uh, uh, musician and put up dozens and dozens of albums worth of tracks a year for $35. So um, I, I don't know that it necessarily you know, changes the game for them. Time will tell. But uh, for Spotify, it's, a, it's another big, bold statement about you know, what they do for artists. And, you know, I've been I've I've been feeling for for quite some time, frankly, that there are, you know, you see Pandora with their AMP program and you see Spotify for artists doing a lot for artists, kind of at least to some degree. And you can be critical of anything, but to some degree walking the talk, you know, mm -hmm. and you see Apple Music, you know, way behind. I mean, they're just giving you analytics basically, what, six months ago or something. So, well, that's not entirely true, Bruce. I mean, if you look at, um, Apple Music for Artists now, and I, I have that for uh, all of my clients, and I compare it to Spotify for Artists, it may have started out that way, but the Apple Music for Artists now has a couple of tools that 
are a little bit ahead of what Spotify is doing. For example, so which, one, which ones? Yeah. Well, I can pull up now not only one track like you can with Spotify, but I can click on the boxes and look at several tracks and how they're performing. I can look at competitive stuff, which you can't do on Spotify yeah. yet. But but you're absolutely right. I mean, these kinds of services for artists are really compelling and. What do you think? Do you think that maybe Apple Music may at some point allow people to put their music directly onto the service? If I had to bet, I'd say no, to, because Apple's always been a kind of a more closed ecosystem. Yeah. And, you know, Apple has always played a bit more of a sort of hit driven game. Uh, and I mean, they all do because that's what they have to do. But uh, I don't I don't if I had to bet, I'd say they're in no hurry to do it. I mean, but, why but, would you? But what, what, what about what about the other players that are out there? You know, the the Amazons, the Google yeah. Plays, the Deezers is is. Spotify just literally kind of dropping a bomb on the landscape right now where we have no idea. I mean, we don't know how this is is going to end, how it's going to shake out, but I think it's pretty clear it's going to have some impact. Yeah, and and but I would say all of those secondary tier players are already in trouble, and I don't know that this is going to be. I doubt this is the thing that's going to you know put them over the edge. But you know, may, Deezer it plays more of an international game, so they you know may well survive. But if you're a Napster, uh, I, I just don't. I don't know where you fit. I mean, Title seems to be hanging on and cutting interesting deals. There was a big one in Brazil yesterday or over the week, but with some kind of a, a, a telecom, but. You know, I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm not saying they're all going to go away, and it's just going to be Apple and Spotify. But it really is a two. You know, a two, there, there's those yeah. two, and then there's everybody else. And I don't yeah. know that I think this is going to be the thing that kills it. But these are the kinds of things, you know, one on top of another, that make an artist want to put their effort, whether you're an independent artist or a label or whatever, into certain services, not just because they have. Um, scale, of course they do, but also because they make it easy for you. They yeah. give avenues to, um, you know, to, to promote your music. Uh, just a question, because I haven't looked in an Apple Music for Artists account recently. Can you? How much control do you have over your profile? Um, no, that, they're working uh, on that. That was one of the big things. Is you know, you can change the bio and the images right. and all that great stuff in Spotify. Yeah. And you can change, I believe, the image now, but not uh, the banner and the bio. Okay. I have to check. Um, but you're absolutely right. That's huge for an end user. But you touched on something earlier um, that this this doesn't have anything to do with Spotify's new submission process, you know, which is pretty cool. I wonder at some point if those two aren't put together for the DIY people, because right now that's kind of uh, – really the disconnect and why you need a label distribution whatever is for those you know those pitches and and where you're not just relying on user generated um playlists well spotify has an, a, a a pitch platform now you can yeah. request directly now yeah. how well it's working for an independent artist i haven't heard anybody well tell me i i have well. access to it they have it yeah. for the indie and they yeah. also have it for jazz and right. from what i understand they're going to get rid of those and just have this one submission process i could be wrong but for the general public most people don't have access to that um and I'm wondering if they're opening this up for everybody to put their music onto Spotify, just like you might on YouTube. 
maybe there's an opportunity there to put the two together to where when you put your stuff up, maybe you could also have it considered for editors and curators. You know, I, I, I think there are, that already exists, and I, I wish I had an extra screen here to go look. But if I remember correctly, that happened about six or eight weeks ago, where anyone can submit to the official playlist. Um, and, but, you know, to your point, whether it's now or later, I suspect they'll always keep those things separate. Because if every piece of music that was ever uploaded had to be submitted, it was automatically submitted or with a, a single click was submitted for uh, playlist consideration, they, they would never get through it. I already question whether they get through it. I, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure, sure volume. I'm sure that they're looking at an algorithm that pushes certain things to the top uh, and then they pay attention to those, which is really no different than has already been happening. But, yeah. um, you know, it's, you know, the, the, the trouble that we still have and you're as an independent artist and you're, you're right. It's much better than it used to be. You don't have to pay for it, but you're still overwhelmed by major and large independent labels who have relationships with the editorial uh, boards who are putting out product that has, you know, comes out of the box with a larger following or, or more of a push behind it. So that, you know, it, we have opportunities, but as you guys talk about every week, that doesn't mean putting your music up there means nothing, you know? Exactly. Uh, you know, so, you know, yeah. what, what, what I find encouraging about this and, and basically have found encouraging about Spotify for some time is that they are just continually evolving. Um, they're doing new things they they are not just sitting back and just like, right. hey, we're a streaming service. Come listen to us. Subscribe. Blah blah blah. You know, we 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 have we've screamed for years how much we love the playlists. There, you know, the release radar, the Discover Weekly, mm-hmm. um, all that type of stuff. Um, awesome. I mean, they they've always sort of been. I don't want to say groundbreaking, but they're out there always making these changes. How they evolve and end up getting used, we don't know. I mean, because we've also talked about how immediately when these new services are launched, there's always somebody trying to figure out how to game the system and take advantage Mm -hmm. of of the loopholes that even Spotify didn't anticipate. Sure. So that's what I find encouraging about this is just – it may not be the ideal solution right now, but, you know, congrats to them for doing this, taking the yeah. move forward. Hopefully yeah. they're going to sit back and look at user response, user reaction to this, evolve, right. modify it. Right. Hopefully it has some trickle-down effect elsewhere into the industry yeah. as well because – Competition like this is is only good for all of us because it for you know I think we would all sit here and go to your point you know yeah Apple's always kind of played that walled garden but damn we'd all love it if there would be a crack in that wall every right. once in a while so right. we could right. we could get through and you know we've had more than our share of disappointments with Apple launching Ping and all of this other stuff that they tout as being great and helpful and it's gone nowhere so. If somebody like Spotify can drop that little nugget out there and cause a few other people to go, hmm, do we need to think about this? 
even causing them to talk about it in their marketing meetings and their development meetings is enough. You're 100 right. I mean, Spotify said in the beginning, and they say it all the time, and and <laughs> it's actually true. They're a technology first company. You know, they they really you know technology and music hand in hand, and they really have invested a lot, and they're constantly changing. And it's I mean, look at Discover Weekly. Remember when that all came out, and we all thought, my God, they, they're inside my head. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, over the last year and really actually over just the last couple of weeks soundcloud and everybody is coming up with their own version of discovery that's right really. uh and, and or uh, yeah exactly and uh you know i mean actually i'll give you an example here first because i wrote the story but i'm not going to print it till tomorrow because of the <laughs> uh, spotify free Being exclusive story. and that is yeah that is that spotify is now testing although again they expect it to go wide um on their curated playlists, let's say like a workout playlist, for example, they're going to start adding in tracks based on your taste, based on your algorithm, if you will. So yes, there's, let's say the workout playlist, 100 tracks, well, there'll be seven or eight tracks added to that 100 tracks just for you. I mean, brilliant, simple. It also yeah. will, it'll help them with playlist burnout. You know, you, you hear the same stuff over and over again. Well, you won't because this is what it thinks you want to pl- hear along with the curated stuff. Little things like that, those little tweaks, they're making them at an amazing pace. And, and they're good at it. Yeah, right? I mean, right, right. these, these things, it, it kind of segues into kind of a thing that I, I, I wanted to get your thoughts on as much as Spotify is kind of leading the charge and they continue to innovate, which we all love. You know, a lot of folks in the music space didn't take Amazon very seriously because it wasn't editorial. It was all pay for placement to be in their emails and on their site and those kinds of things. And it didn't look elegant when you went to their site. It just looked like you were at car parts, denim or diapers or something. It all kind of looked the same. But, you know, and they tried their phone and they've been doing some things. And then all of a sudden, you know, these smart speakers come out. And it's turning everything upside down, and it's growing so fast, and they're growing so fast. What are your thoughts on all of these smart speakers and the way that kind of uh, this kind of voice-activated streaming is moving? Well, I mean, honestly, I find it kind of frightening. Not not in the sense of I love the technology, um, you know. And if I say the the A one, you'll hear a ping in the background. <laughs> we, we got the same problems in our office. <laughs> Just call it the A word, but. Um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about what it means for music discovery because, you know, it gives me what it wants to give me. And I don't have the same kind of, um, you know, interaction with it. I, you know, there's not even a screen on most of them, although they're putting ones out with That's screen right. to tell me what's playing. So I'm listening to my Discover Weekly and I'm not looking at what I'm discovering. You know, there, so there are all kinds of things like that. Also, I find quite frequently it gets it wrong. You know, uh, I mean, I find myself listening to Fallout Boy. I don't even know what I'm all the time on Amazon Music, and I no offense to Fallout Boy, I never ask to play for to, to play right. that. So you know, it. I think as amazing as the technology is, and as you know, as much as it's going to bring streaming into the mainstream. I mean, I think that's the next thing. That's what's driving Agreed. rapid subscription growth right now because yeah. how it just gets so easy. So, yes, in terms of the scale of these services and the number of people using them, 
awesome. That's going to that's going to grow it. It's going to, you know, as I say, bring it into the mainstream. But what it means for us as marketers or uh, people who care about bringing new bands into the world, I'm a little worried about that. You know, I, I too. You know, it it's it really makes it background music when you had to touch it's you know it, it can always be any of these services can always be background music if you want it to be but when you had to interact with it on your computer or on your phone there was at least a few touch points where you were seeing who what the song was what the name of the band was maybe a picture of the band lyrics whatever it might be all of that's gone when it, you're just talking to your speaker and saying play something you, you know yeah. and 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 you bring up an interesting point about background music and i think you may have just posted hisham's recent article about mm-hmm. about that you know he um i've no, i've known hisham for years great guy and he he made a comment about you know basically paraphrasing you know music needs to come back to the foreground again how do we make it something you interact with and I think as as marketing people and in the business, we're all like, yes, we would love that. But then at the same time, as a music listener and a music fan who's grown up through the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and now t- to today, I think that's impossible. I think that's, that's, that's like grandpa sitting on the front porch going, get off my lawn, kids. I wish we had the old days back because... You know, I remember as a kid, and I'm sure we all can relate to this, prior to the Internet, maybe even prior to cable TV, music was a major entertainment activity amongst sure. your peers and your friends. You sure. Somebody would get a new album, and you'd go over to the house, and you'd go over there, and that night you guys would all sit there and crank the music and read the album. You know, it was an, it was an entertainment activity. As video games came on the scene, as cable TV, as every other form of entertainment that we all see out there now, now that's all competing with that for your entertainment attention. Mm-hmm. Music still is there, but maybe even more so because of the convenience to access music. You know, you no longer have, you know, vinyl anymore, which meant it had to be a foreground activity. Um, it's just background. It's on the yeah. background while you're driving. It's in the background while you're exercising. And, yeah. and is that wrong? I don't know well, if that's Well, technology's always wrong. driven music, right? Even from the old days of the two-minute 50 pop song or the 22 minutes on the side of an album or CDs and then downloads. I mean, technology's always kind of push the industry and and even now people are making songs that well first of all if they make an album at all it's 30 songs but you know when they're making songs they're shortening the intros the songs aren't as long they're get you know don't bore us get to the chorus you know it's definitely affecting the way that artists are creating their art but i think technology always did that yeah i mean don't boris get to the chorus was something they were saying in the brill building so you know before (laughs) you know i I agree with you, but as I'm listening to you guys talk, I'm, I'm wondering if there's another way to look at it. And that is, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, we're not 
able, most of us are not interacting with music. We're not even able to interact with the music in the way that we used to. Right. Of course, super fans do. They buy vinyl. You know, we're starting, they're finally lyrics on the streaming services. There are a lot of work being done on metadata. Certainly, if you're a fan that wants to learn more, it's a click away and, you know, on, on the internet. Yeah. So, but, so the question though is really, are we, you know, is it really any different? Was it, weren't there always the fans uh, that just consume music on the radio and occasionally sure. bought, you know, the Michael Jackson Thriller record? And wasn't that the majority of what we would call fans? And yet there were a percentage and all of us, you know, on this call and probably that are ever going to listen to this podcast are those that were different. You know, we wanted to know more. We wanted to go see the band live. We wanted to know why the bass player left. We wanted to know all those things. So I, when I'm listening, I wonder if it really is any different or is it just scaling differently? So in other words, if, if um, you know, is the percentage that much different of the, if there are, if a hundred percent is, are people that listen to music on a semi-regular basis and say they love music, is it more or less than the 10 or 20% that are actually going and buying and interacting and et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I represent um, in the agency that I own a lot of classic rock bands and they don't know the band. They know the song. I mean, yes, exactly they're, the right. hardcore, they're the hardcore fan, you know, so 50 years later, if you say Poco, they go, ah. and if you say crazy love, they go, yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's now there are a percentage of Poco fans and they buy stuff and they go to shows, et cetera. But most people, yeah. my neighbors, you know, they say, who do you represent? And I, I, you know, I want to just say the names of the songs. So I don't know, you know, it's, it's easy to, be cynical and think that they that it's all made it worse but maybe it hasn't maybe it's just a new a new iteration of the same I, I, you know i i i think you're right i mean it, it it's just evolved into a different way i do feel though that there's definitely less group activities around music mm-hmm. um again just because there's so much other stuff you can decide to do you know, it was it was a big deal to go to a concert when you were kids. It was a group activity to buy the tickets, to go to the show, to buy the album, to listen to the album. Because what was your other options? Let's go. Right. Let's go bowling right. tonight. Right. right. You know, let's uh, let's watch one of the three networks that are on TV. I mean, right. literally three TV channels right. you had to choose from. Right. So, so that does have an impact. But to your point, you're right. There were clearly always. People who just listened to the radio, heard right. the hit single, went out and bought the 45. Right. Bought the 45, I mean, not even the not. album. Right, right. I mean, just, I mean, I, you know, to, to your point, I think to some degree, I, I, I feel like I suffer from fatigue. There's so much good music. You know, I listen to my Discover Weekly and I have to stop adding everything to playlists because <laughs> I'm not going to have truck. You know, I mean, I, I can't discover 20 new bands a week and do them any justice. So so that that's the difficult part. But, you know, the, the positive thing is that if a small percentage of people fall in love with a band, you know, and and, you know, that thousand true fans is probably not the number anymore. But, you know, if 10,000 people fall in love with the band, then that band might be able to make a living. You know, you see, you know, we have them on our roster. We we see them in the clubs, people that are making 
you know, what is traditionally a middle class or up, or slightly upper middle class living have health insurance, are saving up to buy a home. Some of them are saving for their kids' college education. You know, making a living making music, which was never possible before. You either were a cover band playing other people's songs, or you were signed to a record label, or you'd recently been dropped by your record label. Now, now there's thousands. I, you know, I think the subset of middle class artists, and I've been preaching this forever, so maybe this is just me, you know, not wanting to let go of that idea. But I think the subset of middle class artists grows. So for all of the um, overload of music, all of the problems that we have with discovery, all of the lack of uh, interaction that this new system has given us, it has given us uh, the ability to sustain the careers of artists over a long, a, a, a mid-level artist over a long period of time in ways that we just never could before. You, right. you know, I, I, and, and I'm going to take this right back to Spotify again. As a music fan, I've always loved discovering music. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, in the old days, it was walking down the aisles of Tower, and, you know, you might discover a band just because of the album cover many or times. Or in-store play. Or in-store play. Whatever. But thanks to Spotify, as a fan, I have discovered so much new music. New bands, old bands with new music that I didn't know mm -hmm. were even around, mm -hmm. that... that I could have never imagined discovering this even back in, quote, the good old days. Um, yeah. So as a fan, I will always sit here and go, Spotify, streaming is the way it is. And if you get yourself tuned into the right Discover Weekly playlist, re new release playlist, daily mix playlist, and you kind of religiously do it every week, just like you used to religiously go to the record store every Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Every Friday, launch that new release playlist. And, you know, I don't know if there's a week that's gone by where I haven't found one or two new yeah. tracks slash artists every week. And that, that that's amazing as a fan. Right. It is, but I also think that not everybody is like us. You know what I mean? And I think the thing that kind of keeps me up at night is that it's really gone from artist from genre and now it's kind of mood and like people you know the number one search term on the echo is chill um and people are kind of going into you know morning drive dinner music you know whatever and that's fine is uh, people listening to more music is always a good thing but to bruce's point earlier unless you have one of those smart speakers with a screen if you're just listening to dinner music and how is that going to make you connect with the band, number one? And then some of these playlists are so big. You know, it's really those top 12, 15 tracks that get played over and over and over and over again when you're driving to work, you're at the gym, whatever. What if you're deeper into that playlist? My fear is that then you become uh, background music. Well, and, and you, you, you're right, but there's, in my mind, that's, that's two different playlists, two different playlisting activities. Absolutely. If I want background music, yeah, I just tell my device to play something in the background. But when I'm using a Discover Weekly or a Release Radar or a Daily Mix, I'm actually interacting. I'm, of course. I'm going to it to seek out what is new this week that's being put right. in front of me. And it, as a music fan, when I hear, you know, 
maybe 75% of it is just great music that I love. But yeah. when that one track comes up, I go, man, I don't know who this is, but I like this. Boom. Who is it? What, yeah. what, what, what frustrates me is I have a lot of friends who are big music fans, but they are still of the, the mindset of I'm only buying CDs. I only buy physical goods. I will never support streaming. I will never support digital. And I'm just like, but do you understand? You're you're missing out on so you are the person who loves new music and new bands. Right. But you're only buying CDs because you walked into your mom and pop store and that happened to be the CD that that gatekeeper decided to purchase. And then put on display. It, it's, I, in the early days of streaming, you know, when I had the Spotify account before they were in the U.S. and nobody else did, I would say to my friends, you know, let's have a glass of wine and let's play. What song do you want to hear? Or when was the last time you heard Miles Davis' Bitches Brew? Or, you know, you just throw stuff out that stuff that I only want to listen to once a year. You know, I'm not I, no offense. I'm not going to go buy it. You do that with almost anybody of any age. And frankly, I think it almost works better for older people that have this long musical uh history uh you'll you know you'll you'll you can turn them on to it but you're right there's always going to be these holdouts you know to yeah. back to bring it full circle with amazon one of the things that i find interesting about amazon in addition to the fact that it's growing quickly because of prime and those free accounts and all the things you're doing is that it may end up being the only place you can buy downloads by the end of next year and so it because apple apple is being pretty clear that sometime next year they're going to get out of the download business so you know if Amazon becomes the place that you can listen and buy, download or CD, that in and of itself is an interesting marketing advantage. You know, I think um, when when we talk about how all of this affects new artists, though, one of the things that that I want to um, just sort of bring up is that we talk about now like the playlist is the holy grail, and the fact is it's just part of a plan. It should be just part of a plan. Mm-hmm. As we, you know, we it, yes, if you're a hip hop artist or a pop artist and you've got the catchy summer track, it can take you from zero to, you know, to 120 miles an hour in, in weeks. But for the average artist who, you know, who is making great music, but maybe music that has to be listened to a little more, maybe a great song, but it's not, you know, instantly, you know, um, catchy if you will um you know we've had artists that get really strong placements and have enough um you know, have enough activity on Spotify that they're showing up in p- people's release radar in the first week, et cetera, et cetera. So everything is going right. But if they're not out on tour, if they're not getting uh, press, if you will, if all those other things aren't happening for them, it's over in three or four weeks, maybe six weeks or whatever. You can watch the stats just fall quickly. But if yeah. they're out on tour and if they're working the socials and if they're showing up in paste or pitchfork or whatever it is at the same time that the, um, you can't, my hands are just going all over the place here. I'm sorry. It sounds like, it's okay. looks silly. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I'm excited. But if at the same time as they get this playlist, you know, placement, then then we can see this sort of exponential growth slow, but exponential in they're selling more tickets, they're selling more products, other they're getting actually added, their whole album are getting added to people's libraries. So, you know, we, we have a tendency, all of us to concentrate on the new and shiny. And it's absolutely clear that playlist is the new radio for most people and that uh, we need to get our music on playlists. But again, it has to, in my 
humble opinion. It has to be part of the whole. And and and, and and you're you're right. Playlists is the new radio, but to that point, just as hard as it was to get on radio, it is still just as hard to get on a playlist. Right. So yeah. so don't think that because the internet exists and all these websites exist that you can just snap your fingers and I'm on a playlist. It's just as hard. Try getting added to, you know, your your local AOR station in in your major metropolitan. It ain't happening. It's just not happening. I can tell you that one of the first things we say when we meet with clients is a playlist is not a marketing plan. And it's got to be part of, as as you mentioned, Bruce, it's got to be part of a larger plan that includes all of the blocking and tackling that we normally do. Yeah, you can get on a playlist just like you could get discovered on radio before. But if you don't just put all your eggs in that basket and you do all of the other things, I think you're more apt to be successful than if you just count on it. And also, if you get into some huge playlist, like you mentioned a moment ago, and then a lot of those playlists only play people for 7 to 14 days, and then you're gone, you don't have any base. Right, right. No, and that's my point overall. It's just to say that I think, you know, we've we've also seen in terms of um, longevity, I'll just call it that, where the artist's feels like they're not the the record isn't over in a month uh where it feels as if the record has some legs and where we can see the touring the numbers going up you know even if it's just 30 percent or something like that is uh when it is part of a greater plan and often those playlist placements that are a little further down the food chain like sometimes official but in a in a sub genre, if you will, those mm-hmm. or a genre, those seem those actually seem to work best for us. Probably because they may only have thirty thousand followers, but those thirty thousand people love this subset of melodic new folk or something. Right. Uh, you know? well, one of the one of the metrics we look at really closely, we kind of stop looking at followers because it's like likes on Facebook, right. and then we started looking more at you know, monthly listeners. And to your point, there are playlists that have tons of followers, but the follower to listener ratio is really bad. And there's some, you know, like you mentioned the 30,000 ones, some of those, those fans are engaged and they're smaller and they listen and they're changed out. I I couldn't agree with you more. Um, What will you guys are music marketers? I mean, what's working for your clients, anything, anything new or anything? Or is well, it you know, I, I got to tell you, the, the, the new thing that's gotten me excited is Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. bots, list yeah. bots, uh, list yeah. bots specifically. Um, you know, we've always talked about email needs to be part of, part of your marketing plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we'll beat that forever and forever yeah. artists will still always seem to ignore it. But um, there's now tools out there that will let you basically build a, quote, email list of people on your Facebook Messenger page. So your page has a messenger. People can message you. And frankly, I'm sure most artists ignore every one of those messages that come in. You can ask those people to subscribe, just like an email list, to a messenger list. And... You should be building that up, and through my own experience here, the the um, the open rates and click through rates are astronomically high. I mean, I've had click through rates ninety six percent 
open rates 60 70 80 percent high when you because again think about your own use of it when you get a facebook message set to you it's sort of like a text message you're immediately reacting to it right right and you're going to click the link you're going to open it up and you're going to read it um you know you will never get open and click through rates that high what uh what tool is it that you're using to build these i'm curious um, i'm i'm using a tool called bot letter okay um and there's a number of other ones out there uh-huh. research it it is super yeah. easy to set up it's super easy to manage is it inexpensive or um i i actually bought into it through there's a website called appsumo if you're yeah, familiar yeah. with Uh huh. join and follow. They give you so many of these weekly Low opportunities cost, yeah. of little, yeah. like, brand-new startups that have opportunities. Right. I right. got into it for $49 for a lifetime. Right. So right. the if you went to it now, you're so not going to get it that. You said that because you can't bill out. Forty nine dollars a month to each of your nine clients. Now, now they can't get into it that cheap. So it's sort of like you know, I'm using it as the hey, let's try this. Oh, you love it? Well, now we need to get you on board and set it. But but the point being, you need to look at these new avenues of communicating with your fans. And and look, you make a Facebook post and what? Five percent of the people who like if your page lucky, see yeah. it. Right. You make a messenger post to a thousand people, mm-hmm. and ninety percent of them click the link. Right. You're yeah. you're a fool not to investigate these new tools and these new opportunities. Yeah. It's so surgical. Um, and you turned me on to Bot Letter, and I'm I'm a big fan still of email. It still works. Oh yeah, it's, it's got it, it's got to be part of your overall marketing. Exactly. You can't rely on just bots. You can't rely but on one. If you're thing. talking about bot letter, to me that falls under your ECRM group, which is awesome. And and as you said, the open rates, click through rates are ridiculously high. Um, and then some of these tools, even like we talk about bands in town, the fact that you can message your followers um, for free, and then if you want to message like comparable artists that you think might like your music i find those are you know very effective um there's this old joke we talk about a lot you know half of my advertising doesn't work i just don't know what half right you know i think by trying some of these things out nowadays with all of the analytics that you get from these things you know like these smart urls you know like link fire and some of those where you can look on the back end and go holy cow you can see what device that they were on what services you may think that your fans are streamers and you might learn that they're downloaders you know there's all this information um but you just have to kind of educate yourself and try these things out um but But, you know i i I, want to go back and give just a little plug to to bands in town because they're they're a company that's in my opinion is also always innovating always releasing something new they're always moving forward you know it's not it's not just a tour dates list anymore. Right. There are so many great tools in bands in town that you should be using, that you need to be aware of. Um, and, and it still amazes me the number of clients that I, that I deal with that are like, I'm not on bands in town. I'm like, yeah, but let me go show you right now. There's actually 2,000 people tracking you on bands in town right. that you refuse no to, idea. That, that, that you're not talking to. 
Right. Well, I, it's funny. I, I said to one of our classic rock bands the other day, I said, if I could tell you how to reach 37,432 of your <laughs> of your fans, people who said sometime in the last couple of years, we love your band, would you do that? Of course I would. And then I showed them how to get a Bands in Town artist manager account where they had 37,000 yeah. followers. I mean, it's and they were just there. And they were all people who said, we want to know when this band is coming to town. It, right. it is a great tool. I, I've also heard really good things about their post to Instagram stories. Uh, I haven't tried that yet, but I saw that just that just launched. And and in general, I've been hearing that uh, Instagram stories, just like Instagram was and still is something you need to do, but that posting more on stories has a better, uh, I don't know if open rate is the right term, but more more engagement, um, yeah, more engagement, if you will, than just Instagram. So just like Facebook, a year, you know, three years ago, we're talking about posts last year, we're talking about you had to be live. Yep. do live video now we're talking about messengers so you know thank you for all of this because it keeps people wanting to go back to hypot to see what the hell is going on at this point so well I appreciate that but, absolutely uh, well to give you a shameless plug i mean that's where i go and i tell everybody to go i mean every week the thing about hypebot that i love is it's not just a regurgitation you know how it is on the web now somebody puts out a story and then five other outlets basically mm-hmm. kind of take that story mm-hmm. and, and push it out you invite people on to Hypot that have the experience. And this is right. something that Steve Gordon, you know, our friend that passed yeah. away, what I loved about his book is he doesn't know everything about everything. So he'd bring somebody on from right. streaming radio. He'd bring somebody on from sync licensing and right. ask them the questions. And that's what you do. You bring other people on that are kind of experts in these different fields and say, what do you think about this new technology? So, right. you know, shameless no, I mean, plug, look, but it's... I, I, I thank best. you. I'd like to believe that we eliminate the real crap, uh, but not, but but then let the the rest sort of rise to the top on its own. I mean, today there's a post about a a thing called um, it's a little app called Turn, and all it does is, uh, and I didn't even have time to write it. So the guy who wrote, who invented the app, if you will, uh, built the app, wrote the story. It's his name's on it. I'm not trying to hide that he wrote it. <laughs> But right. basically, it's a simple little free tool that you upload a track and you upload an image, and then it takes the image and it uh, rotates it. It turns it into a video, and the image is just rotating like on a turntable. All it does is create a, in minutes for free a little video that you could share on social media. You wouldn't put it on YouTube. You're not going to get a thousand. You know, you're not going to get a hundred thousand views on it. But if you've got a new track that you're testing out or whatever, here's something that uh, suddenly you're uploading video to Twitter instead of just a post and a link. Right. So it's, right. It's, and it's more it's, interesting than a static image. Right. And it's free. And I tried it and I could use it in a minute and a half. I figured out how to use it. So I thought, okay, you know, yeah. I don't if, think if you could do it, an artist could do it. Right. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. I, I, I'm with you. So um, that's funny. You know, that, so is it going to set the world on fire? It's not going to set the world on fire. But is it a great free tool that maybe 100 or 1000 musicians will go try? and get a little bit of traction from their fans who go, what the heck is that? You know, that's, you, we're always looking for those things. And, right. and uh, you know, it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's got to be tiring for the average musician or marketer to try and, and try and keep up with it all. 
you know, oh, yeah, but the it, lesson it, it, here is you just try things, right? You know, like we started looking at videos and found out that these pseudo videos and unwrapping videos, these silly little videos were getting so much more views and engagement than these high budget things, mm-hmm. these little bite-sized chunks. And to your point, you know, with Instagram stories. Mm-hmm. And I think you just try things like you tried that, that one thing. You know, we tried bands in town or we tried mm-hmm. bot letter. If you try some of these things, typically they're very low cost. Right. And you might just find something that will connect with your audience. Right. right. Yep. Yep. Great stuff. Bruce, always a pleasure chatting with you. Always. We can talk all day. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. We got to get you on more often. <laughs> you're, the, you're like the only place that I go visit. So I, oh, whatever you need me, I'm Thank here. You, Bruce. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks, right. Bruce. Take care. Always so fun chatting with Bruce, you know, and, and again, thank you for all of the support, Bruce, and, and everybody involved with HypeBot uh, gives gives the podcast here. We greatly appreciate it. All of the love is amazing. Yeah. Um, it, but, you know, it's fun chatting with him because he's sort of, he's that very front line. You know, if somebody's got a new product, a new tool, a new announcement, it's hitting HypeBot. Immediately. First, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we love Hypebot, and I was serious. I I literally check it every day, and you know, you and I know a lot of the people that are writing some of these pieces, and I find it interesting because it evolves. He'll have a story about playlists or streaming or smart speakers or what some bot letter, whatever it is, and then the next week there may be some new adjustments about it, and then everything's kind of evolving. And it's a great place to kind of just keep up on everything. And they're not super long articles. Um, some of these places have like really long dissertations. Yep. His get right to the point. They're really brief. Well, you they're, can they're, they're really, they're, they're quite often based upon somebody actually really using something and then writing an article based upon the results, the reaction, their response to it. It's, it's not just a, a high level pitch. It's, yeah. It's, I use this, and this is how it worked for me, and this is why I love it. And, you know, personally, that's what I'm into. You know, if I'm going to use a tool and recommend a tool, I want to know how it works. I'm not just doing it because some company is saying, do it, do it, do it. It's like, no, I I actually want to use this. And they'll be honest about the pros and the cons, you know, uh, about some of these services and, you know, tools that look, I tried this, this didn't work, but I tried this, you might want to do this. So it kind of, you got a head start, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. So thank you, Bruce and and HypeBot. They're the best. Yeah. Always lots of love for them. Um, That's it. We're, we're, we're trying to line up a couple more guests coming up here in, in the near future. And, uh, As always, we love your feedback, so let us know what you think. That's it. Another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here.